जय हिंद मित्रों वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ भारतीय जनता पॉडकास्ट भारत माता की जय भारत माता की जय टू यू ट्यूब रो भारत माता की जय टू यू ट्यूब नेवर नेवर से नेवर आई थिंक वी शुड डू दिस एज आर बिगिनिंग एवरी टाइम वी शुड वी शुड टेल एवरीबडी हाउ मच वी लव आर भारत माता and when in doubt always bharat mata ki jai <laughs> so to, in today's episode we uh, the topics that we will discuss uh, um, we, we have three segments in the first segment we will primarily focus on ayodhya and anything around that news um, how people reacted how people felt uh, in the second segment we will talk about um, whatever is happening in maharashtra aditya will give us a rundown on how the things are looking and how does that it impact uh, maharashtra in their future elections and in the last segment we will talk about the biggest problem of the biggest problem that india is currently facing today nehru mm-hmm. and um, his birthday his birthday was this week and also the greatest hero of our times godse and his godse and and the day of his martyrdom मार्टिन all of these ideas it seems like uh, everybody care like everybody cared so much about the fact that this must be closed and and everybody was so on the edges why because this issue was going on for so long as if as if it was not the majority of this country who kept pushing pushing on this under the the whole uh, this narrative of not hurting the com- communal um, harmony the government kind of i feel has um, silenced a lot of opinions anyway before before uh, going into uh, the editorial direction so the judgment came the judgment is that basically the structure the disputed structure goes to the the hindus and the muslims will get 5 acre land somewhere in ayodhya prominent in a, location in a prominent i don't know is there a prominent location in ayodhya <laughs> i mean as trump would say shit hole is a shit hole ve bahar mat aaiye bahar mat aaiye um yeah so they will get 5 acres of land in a prominent location so this is primarily the judgment so aditya first thoughts i am yet to make up my mind whether it's a ju- whether to call it a judgment or an arbitration of sorts 
uh, whether it's been an attempt at delivering justice or an attempt at settling something just for the sake of settling it with least collateral damage that is my primary question and i have not been able to reconcile on that part to begin with which is fair my uh, the thing that um, i have been thinking about since the judgment is that in our living memory um there used to be a structure there you can call it a mosque but you cannot deny it that a structure created by the moguls was there right and in yes. our living memory the structure was brought down um first of all a structure of historical importance which are like 500 550 years old structure secondly a it's not even the structure per se but the whole idea that that structure had right the idea that even though india has been divided and even though a part of india is now a different country or two different countries rather now dominated by muslims the india that stays is still a country that cohabits all faiths all religions and all kinds of opinions and that when the structure was brought down that idea was brought down with it as well and there is no closure for that I and have... on cam and on camera broad daylight just yeah. the entire act uh, it, that idea was brought down in broad daylight just to add to that hmm definitely in i mean if if a group of people Uh, with such a huge mandate even in 92 like it seemed like a lot of the people identifying with the hindu faith uh, were supporting this so with such a mandate in basically what was reduced to a banana republic it doesn't matter if it is daylight or night i mean they in fact doing it in daylight shows you how weak our institutions were anyway so this structure was brought down post this a number of riots happened there were bo- uh, primarily the riots that are the most famous are the 93 riots in bombay and then the bombay bomb blasts yeah everybody knows who did the bomb blasts and everybody knows who was behind the riots the only comparison that i can give you is that two years ago yakub memon who is um, allegedly one of the persons who person who worked um, to have the bomb blast happen was hanged right you will definitely think as a sane rational person okay so the if he was the culprit for the bomb blast and he was hanged what happened to the people who were culprit for the riots nothing okay. when they died they were draped in tricolor and paraded as if um, and that uh, i don't know so i don't know when is when thakre which date thakre died but basically the only punishment that anybody ever got was a shiv sena mla called madhukar satpoddar who was passed away a few years ago he was fined mm-hmm. 15000 rupees so this is the state of justice in our country and and it's not after modi i'm talking about madhukar satpoddar fine um, happened before modi and yakub memon was um um hanged after modi but the judgment uh, or, or the case went on for much longer so there is a, there will be a temple built mandir wahi banega however 
um what kind of closure will those families get who whose whose relatives died during the riots or or even for a moment think about a young muslim in india growing growing up right now when he looks when he or she looks at this how do they feel um so in 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 my mind uh, this judgment uh, absolutely offers no closure to begin with let us be categorical about that part and uh, what was the hurry in the first place like having waited all these years i don't think the dispute about who the land goes to is as important as justice being delivered in these other two cases that you mentioned first exactly. the act of act of bringing that mosque down and second all those people who were involved in those riots and offering justice to first those those two incidents i think uh, is primarily should should have been the focus of the judiciary in this country and not settling the dispute of who this piece of land should go to it is much more trivial in my head just offering and it goes beyond like which faith uh, uh how many acres of land each faith gets i think that is quite insignificant in my head and a lot of people would say that this is coming from a point of view in which we don't really give a damn about religion and faith doesn't have as much importance in our lives as it is to these people and all all that said and done uh the idea of the indian constitution being upheld is not something which we saw last week basically definitely definitely uh, now that we are talking i feel i mean both of us um come from the hindu faith even if like we our names Prac- are not practicing but our names are clearly identified practicing families like yeah, i have grown I, i have grown up practicing the religion yeah so same here same here yeah. and so i so what i'm trying to say is that um, perhaps we could have had someone uh, um, um from our group who's a muslim to talk about it but the thing that struck me the most and again this is anecdotal and make of it what you will but um, the thing that struck me most was before the judgment was about to come i had few of my muslim friends reach out to me uh, i mean in general talking mm-hmm. and they told me they wanted the judgment to be mandir because they were really afraid of their families back in india they were afraid if the verdict is not mandir then the riots that will ensue or not even the riot like india has developed um, so much that now i don't think we will have outright riots anymore what happens is the public isolation of the muslim people that happens which which, which already happens with, but, with 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 which begins with something like getting a flat in a non muslim locality exactly what i was thinking but but it will more intensify more it will become more intense i uh, i i keep hearing of these stories and again anecdotal and for any of you who are listening who disagrees i think uh, if you have a close muslim friend talk to them and corroborate don't go by what i'm saying but like kids these days uh, third fourth grade in school if you uh, if they are muslims they are being like tu pakistan se hai is being asked mm. 
which um, which is very sad i i don't remember but, this happening but uh, there's something else i wanted to add on this so this is one reason why everyone is hailing this judgment uh, when i say everyone it me i i'm referring to the so called liberal media uh, people like uh, for example shekhar gupta on cut the clutter mentioned how this was the best way or the most practical way this thing could have been settled but is that really the job of the court the the, the, the judgment that, that that shows you if oh, the court the if the was given yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the, the way the judgment was given this way of somehow pleasing everybody or pleasing nobody is not the way the court should look at a problem right because if you were to ju- deliver a judgment that way there are two things it says it's it says that the law and order of this country is not strong enough to withstand uh, r- any kind of antisocial reactions had the judgment gone the other way for example and second it shows that the government of the day has absolutely no will in controlling that and the judiciary knows that if this is how they thought about this entire process so, when they handled it i don't want to speculate but to one thing that does come to my mind is that no i i'm i'm talking about about it from the perspective that if this is what makes you happy about the judgment that there were no riots after that i think you are expecting too little from your country and you have really low standards for your country so i completely agree with you but here's my thing aditya uh I, and again i am not endorsing shekhar gupta or anybody's view but this is what my this is what our country is now this is like the bar is has gone very low uh, anyway going back to the judgment um ranjan gogoi was one of the dissident justices a few years ago when four justices came out against justice mishra mishra and uh, then uh there was a, there was an accusation of sexual assault even rape against ranjan gogoi and that mm. he destroyed the family of one of his um admin assistants and then he was made the judge to preside over the case against him so bharat mata ki jaye and and then um he presided over this judgment again i'm just telling everybody the chain of events i'm not speculating anything but dal and kala and i don't know <laughs> i mean is, and if you look at how this judgment was handled it is like it basically puts pits one faith against the other right it's word of mouth or travelogues from one set of people versus the same account from another set of people and how do you settle a dispute like this and in such a case the only thing that that should hold precedence is what stood there on that day in independent india and sadly like looking at it very dispassionately there is only one structure that stood there uh, when india was independent and should we even be yeah no i i completely agree um and uh, so here's here here is a, here are a few things that um, that bug me that uh, first of all do you remember like uh, I, i mean both of us followed the whole verdict pretty much together online uh, once once the verdict came out 
at the supreme court the lawyers of the supreme court outside the supreme court started shouting jai shri ram hmm which in itself says a lot um secondly the people like shekhar gupta who are saying chalo acha hua peaceful resolution see you can see all these things when you have nothing on stake hmm. yeah. no no riot no killing no lynching will ever affect you me or shekhar gupta i exactly. am appalled that we are i mean putting ourselves in the same bracket as that news dalal anyway um but i just like it's such a privileged opinion and and and, and of course we are we, we come from the that background as well but it's such a privileged opinion ki chalo jo hua acha hua even for us to have the privilege to speak is something which most people do not have and and, and the thing is most uh, muslims do not have right now like what we are yeah. saying right now if this was being said by a muslim they would have like we are we are anti nationals of of course bharat mata ki jai but hmm. if it was said by a muslim i mean i don't think any muslim in india right now has the courage to say it because it's not just them it's their family i i was talking to one of my friends who posts a lot of very interesting thought provoking stuff on uh, facebook but his profile is private mm-hmm. so only a limited set of friends can see him i said that the things that you post should be read by others make it public and he said who will defend my family if something happens you so this is where we are right now rana you tweet, tweeted something and amethi police hmm. um, yeah immediately went after her and said pull pull it down yeah um the uh, the day of the judgment the night of the judgment rather in india justice gogoi took all of his colleagues for dinner at taj um, yeah <laughs> mission accomplished mission accomplished i i mean i have so much to say and i have so... and we have almost like we have a feeling of sense of exhaustion having spoken about it even outside of the podcast for so yeah. long i think that has resulted in something so but there is another thing which i found very uh, striking is no one raised no one in popular media raised this question as to how the verdict could have been completely different had the mosque stood there today or would it have been any different would the court have ordered the mosque to have been the structure to have been pulled down and a new structure to have been created there would that have been the case had the mosque still stood there i don't know the answer to this question and this is a question that we've talked about at length before and and this is the question that bugs me the most because you cannot have a system where you have some kind of some uh, a hysteresis of sorts like you depending on where you are right now you will have two completely different paths i i don't think justice should work that way yeah justice right. should stand independent of whether there was a structure or not structure or not completely because especially when a judgment actually goes out there and says that the act of pulling it down was illegal uh, this seems uh, there is a lot about this judgment which doesn't quite make sense so i just leave it at that and this fundamental question hasn't even been raised on any of our popular media platforms that is where we are right so i, I- if there was a structure so 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 the india that we live in mm-hmm. this thing this judgment 
um, that happened would not that that whole thing would not have happened if the structure was in place what i'm trying to say is ki yeah jis world mein jis india mein hum reh rahe hain wahan pe wo structure giraya hi jayega 100 out of 100 times structure ka exists if you had 100 such instances or you had 100 such universes where this happens there is only one universe probably there that the structure stands so yeah that's true as a great man once said mandir banegi to zameen to samtal karni padegi padegi and that man is now the icon of uh, <laughs> the, the liberal face of bjp right now even get me started on that uh, one more thing before we wrap up um, this segment so ministry of external affairs released a paper on this verdict because a lot of countries including bangladesh and finland and other countries expressed concern about what is happening in india so they released like a 10 point memo of how this was based on this was a title dispute and not a dispute of faith and how the constitution gives equal rights to all religious religion and i mean across all religions for all citizens of india however no mention of 1992 not even mm-hmm. a point as if it never But- happened Because that is how this entire thing has changed, right? It went from the Babri Masjid demolition to the Ayodhya verdict, basically. So that's how even the uh, the title of this entire thing has changed, right? So the way we refer to this entire case has completely changed over the years. So what has taken precedence is Ayodhya Mandir debate and not the Masjid demolition case. So that's how the whole rhetoric has shifted. Uh, i will end it with uh, a small uh, quote by um, rana you the greatest villain of our times of course she says after the judgment that my country chose to other me and millions of muslims yet again paving the way for right wing hindu nationalism to fulfill its dream of a hindu rashtra the perpetrators of the destruction and violence that claimed more than 1000 muslims lives in 1992 were invited to celebrate and not atone for their crimes Muslims in India fear that this would indeed be the beginning of reimagining India with Muslims as second-class citizens, as envisaged by the right-wing supremacist. I wonder if that cherished freedom holds any meaning in the new India that seeks to erase my legacy and my existence. I think, with this, I think there is nothing more that you and I can say that she does not say, except for Bharat Mata ki jai. Bharat Mata ki jai. Welcome back, guys. Um, as i uh, always say and as i will keep saying till the day of my death bharat mata ki jai jai maharashtra also jai maharashtra for this segment as well thank you so much so in this segment we talk about um what is happening in maharashtra um and how um amit shah uh, seemingly is not able to do what he does so easily like amit shah is like ashwin right now in like playing a test match in australia mcg <laughs> he's just not sure what exactly is happening anyway um, i think aditya you as a native of that state can help us get a rundown of what is exactly happening so basically we are a month down the line now since the election results came out you had shiv sena and bjp the pre poll alliance comfortably crossing the majority but 
Shivsena and BJP being Shivsena and BJP in the last five years, they've just been bickering with each other. And Shivsena has been the most vociferous of all opponents, even more than the actual Indian opposition right now. Yeah. So that that has been Shivsena's role all these five years. And they have conveniently in these five years always teamed up whenever there was an election, whenever there was the BMC elections, there was the state elections or the Lok Sabha. And since the day of these results, Uddhav Thakre, uh, someone who we never saw as a very authoritative figure when it comes to Maharashtra politics, he never uh, had that imprint that, say, uh, Bal Thakre obviously had or even Raj Thakre has, like the oratory skills. So you had Uddhav Thakre coming out and saying that they would not settle for anything less than two and a half years of uh, chief ministership, which according to the BJP, is something which was never spoken of before the elections. So, now we have a situation where for two weeks, the governor actually doesn't invite anyone to form a government. Mm -hmm. And the BJP is quietly confident that this thing would be settled, as most Shusena BJP disputes have been settled uh, and governments have formed in the last five years. So, I think Amit Bhai expected that to happen. But this time, something different happened. You had Uddhar Thakre standing up to Amit Bhai for once and probably for the first time in the last five years that anyone has stood up to the BJP and its bullying and uh, they've actually gone ahead and said that they wouldn't form a government with BJP because they are being accused of lying to the people and that BJP actually promised them two and a half years of chief ministership. And this is where we are at now. So we had, then we had Sarat Power coming out and issuing a statement saying that the people's mandate is for them to be in the opposition. And that is what they would do. But suddenly things changed in the last 10 days. And it looks like Sharad Power now was willing to form a government with the BJP and not just form a government. It has come to a point now where they probably might get two and a half years of chief ministership themselves. And at one point, you had the Congress not being on the same page. And now we we are hearing that Congress might get five years of deputy chief ministership. So this is the khichdi that we are in right now. And in the middle of all this, we had Maharashtra having one of the <coughs> worst uh, agricultural years this year. And a lot of crop damage due to the cyclone that happened last month. And basically, that is as always, has been put to the back burner. Who cares? So, this is where we are at right now. So, there is on one hand this ideological inconsistency debate wherein how does the Congress survive or what happens to the secular ideology if they team up with the Shiv Sena. And that is what the BJP is accusing the other side of, calling them opportunistic and so on. And conveniently forgetting the fact that they did essentially exactly the same in Bihar, right? Where... Uh, no, 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 no. Let me correct you, Aditya. Hmm. Uh, this is opportunistic. When BJP does this, it is political genius. Political genius. Chanakya. Yeah. It is. Amit Shah hailed as Chanakya. But it's still, we do not have clarity of whether a government will actually be formed. And uh, Congress is always uh, not very proactive. Uh, you had Ahmed Patel and... Uh, Malikarjun Kharge going to Maharashtra, having their own. So Congress works at a different pace these days, right? So they ride an auto rickshaw when the others are driving a Ferrari. So, so uh, I uh, my 
the thing that i am thinking about um over all of this is so first of all big fan of khichdi you know big mm-hmm. fan of khichdi governments i think they are the best even if progress is slow um it's no I, the khichdi i am referring to is the fact that we don't have a government so far i have absolutely no issues with uh multiple voices being represented in the government exactly but uh, my question to you is let's say um this like uh, let's say shiv sena ncp and congress get into um forming a government and get to um govern for the next 5 years how will that impact the elections that happen in 5 years how will more importantly will shifts as a, as as someone who's not from there i look at it and i feel that a lot of upper caste hindu votes voters who vote for shiv sena will just move to um, bjp what do you Potential, like? potentially not because i feel that the shiv sena and the bjp still have slightly different vote banks because the shiv sena came into being not as a hindutva party if you remember they came into being on the plank of first they were actually the set of gundas who was who were empowered by congress themselves ironically back in the day yeah. to fight the communists in and uh, get get control over the trade unions in maharashtra just and then they just for a moment yeah. but someday we should talk about maharashtra has had a great tradition of communism yaar i yes. don't like it just anyway i'm not a hmm. communist bharat mata ki jai you carry on yeah yeah so from there so shiv sena is this being which continues to metamorphosize depending on what the political situation is so they saw opportunism in this uh, hindutva politics at one point and say they they changed into being a hindutva party then for a long time they fought the north indians so they they came south into indian. being first uh, first with the anti south indian Mm-hmm. agenda and then they changed into hindutva and then the anti north indian so yeah. so they keep they keep changing planks depending on what the need of the r is so i won't be surprised if shiv sena tomorrow becomes a secular party <laughs> to begin with so i don't think shiv sena has had any ideological continuum in any case so so and their vote bank is slightly different to bjp given Shiv Sena actually restricts itself to the urban centers of Maharashtra. Shiv Sena doesn't have a lot of presence in the rural Maharashtra, for example. So mm-hmm. Mumbai and Pune and Nashik are these belts where Shiv Sena would be at its strongest, and it and in these areas, the Maratha vote bank, the Marathi vote speaking vote bank, is not the same as BJP's vote bank, actually. Okay. So. so places like dadar and uh, parts of maharashtra which are Mar- maratha strongholds uh, probably bjp doesn't have the face for that devend with devendra fadnavis they had a chief minister's face but i still believe that shiv sena would still have a part of vote that is frozen they may not be able to form a government on their own but they still have a potential vote share which is still frozen and which might be difficult for the bjp to pull entirely towards itself um i i i i i mean you are from there so i defer to your opinion i just feel that um oh, i mean this whole move will this, a, a right wing friend of mine uh, said once uh, not a friend sorry a right wing acquaintance of mine once said even if bjp loses bjp wins and this is how i see this because i feel that um bjp bjp will go back to the public and be like shiv sena was not pure enough look at them 
and in 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 national politics they will and, go... B- and just to add to that and the bjp vote bank uh, is dumb enough to actually believe it and look beyond yeah. their opportunistic uh, government formations in the recent past not so. dumb political genius okay political genius yeah hmm. uh, and in and but but more importantly at national level they will say that what did congress do like they have like and and that is the thing for someone like me who would normally vote for congress obviously because where i come from congress is the only viable alternative to bjp and, and I, I would never vote for shiv sena myself so yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it's it's it is a really it is a bit challenging for me to accept what is happening and 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 yeah, i agree completely but but there is another subtext subplot to this which is that shiv sena's existence entirely almost entirely relies on whether they have uh, control over the bmc or not and at the bmc right now they have uh, hold control over the bmc in alliance with the bjp still i don't know which way that will <laughs> go because shiv sena makes all of its money from the bmc which has uh, a budget of like something like a small state would so i don't know which way that is going right now and even if you assume that they last for 5 years as you said i think that would be the foremost priority for these parties because their survival is at stake in any case so whether they form this government or do not form this government they have had a lot of defections from ncp and congress yeah. to shivsena and bjp in the lead up to these elections so, uh, to a point where they had absolutely nothing to fight for in this case and and this was one of the weakest election campaigns in the as we've talked about uh, as we have talked about in the recent past and for them to even have a whiff of forming a government that short term benefit far outgrows like what the long term losses might be and for a bjp to even lose a big state like this mm-hmm. despite having fought an election wherein the opposition seemingly had absolutely no choice no chance to win the election i think mm-hmm. the short term benefits far outgrow and i think they they outweigh the losses um in it, in my head alternatively i i mean i agree alternatively um if we look at the relationship between shiv sena and bjp through time i think um manohar joshi early 90s se lekar abhi tak didn't and, and correct me if i'm wrong i don't have the numbers in front of me didn't shiv sena used to be the bigger player and slowly over time shiv sena till 24 yes till 2014 i think shiv sena was the bigger player so 2014 they fought the election separately before so they didn't have a pre poll alliance and bjp got the bigger numbers definitely and uh, shiv sena had around 50 seats even in 2014 so their numbers haven't changed so the reason i said that shiv sena will still retain a fair share of the uh, vote share is because of the 2014 observation so I, they seem to have this 15 20% vote share which seems to be frozen and for the bjp to actually pull that entirely in their direction might not be very easy so while shiv sena might not be good enough to form governments Mm-hmm. uh they have obviously relegated to being the smaller partner they can still inflict a lot of damage to bjp so I, that is what i see i also have i've also heard this notion and i'd like you to kind of 
elaborate on it is that had bjp and shiv sena gone in as planned uh, to make the government this time there would have been no shiv sena by the end of this five year potentially potentially because this is what has happened in other states also where wherein the bjp has started off as the junior partner and gradually yeah. become the senior partner and then completely eaten into so the junior partners votes so i i think for shiv sena one of the ways you have to look at it is that it is make or break in more the, more ways than one so the fact that they have gone into an alliance like this uh, tells you a lot about how the bjp has treated so and there is also something more anecdotal which uh, this entire bickering between the sena and the bjp despite the fact that they have control over all the levels of power there from the municipalities to the center uh, the fact is that this bickering has absolutely resulted in no development in mumbai and maharashtra in these last 5 years uh, at least urban development a lot of urban civic player infrastructure projects have been stalled or not in very good shape and and a lot of their mlas and corporators say that uh, they do face issues with uh, say a shusena corporator and an uh, bjp mp for example so these things do not really work out well for them in any case so and the shusena is not the cleanest party in any case i just I'd like to point oh, yes. out so so first of all ideological purity i don't think there is any, i don't think it matters anymore. there is any political party in this country that has any kind of ideological purity um i was listening to what you were saying and i was thinking about um had i been a political consultant i would have um i would have told like i would have um, told congress i cannot be a political consultant because i cannot take all clients i'll never take bjp as a client but um potentially congress because again ideologically uh, ideology currently in this country doesn't matter but i would have told uh, congress that in states like mp and up basically the hindi belt where there is a hindutva like there is a sizable hindutva population uh if you are able to break bjp and uh, politicians leaving bjp don't have them come back to congress ensure that shiv sena is supporting you in all these states and have them come back to shiv sena and let mm-hmm. shiv sena be a counterbalance to bjp in this state while you keep some distance from shiv sena and when it comes to like election polling and all have shiv sena support you from outside and that will potentially because this the the way india is right now um, this is how politi- politics develops right um, yes. a party becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then they split on ideological lines and th- and then there's a realignment that happens that is what happened with congress in the 80s and early 90s and basically this right so and also to point out uh, shiv sena this time fought an election which was slightly different so shiv sena had holdings in multiple different languages which is a huge thing from a party like shiv sena <laughs> they had ads in tamil and bengali and gujarati and punjabi are, and all these things there are which is many people like i'm in i'm guessing you're talking about bombay yeah 
have to so even for bombay for shivsena to acknowledge that there are other people is something and reaching out to them for votes is something which would never have happened in the past so they are gradually somehow realigning themselves to and probably this is uh, something which has come out through aditya thakre's tweets and stuff also in the last mm-hmm. year or so where they were the ones to actually protest are despite being in the government something yeah, is sound as, really... as we've discussed in the last episode the 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 only credible opposition that could come against bjp will be from people who don't have to prove their hindu identity or hindu as, identity as, and, and and just like raj thakre shiv sena also does not need anyone's certificate to prove that they are hindu so or... so i'll i'll pose this question to you on that mm. so do you think that if the congress allies with the shiv sena Mm-hmm. given the fact that even the congress is on the brink of having no existence in maharashtra politics if they do not have a government now they don't seem to have any face there mm-hmm. so do you think they the least they can gain from this is to show the people that they are not anti hindu at the very least so this is, are, this is this is a great question and, and this Sena. this is i think uh, this will be um more than congress this will be it cells dilemma kyunki uh, the it cell has basically all of their forwards end up that congress muslim muslim, muslim. appeasement congress right this is hmm. Um, hmm. everything that they are about now um, if the it cell starts a campaign against congress by saying they are not ideologically pure they aligned with shiv sena hmm. they are ki- they will kind of hurt themselves because then their old thing about congress muslims there's there's an like incongruity right in, in and both I, of these arguments and they, there is no way that they can convince people that shiv sena is anti hindu given the number of riots they have inflicted on people so however see imagine like this is this is what it has come to that shiv sena cannot be anti hindu because they did riots but however <laughs> my honest take is that um right now our polity is made in such a way that um, there are a few buzzwords right appeasement mm-hmm. is one buzzword corruption is another buzzword so what mm-hmm. will happen is that shiv sena by aligning with ncp in congress it cell will use the argument against shiv sena that shiv sena is corrupt which now, has already of, begun yeah which has already begun yeah bmc mm-hmm. problems and everything shiv sena will be blamed and eventually what will happen is when so most of the times when your and mine right wing people that are are around us in our family when they use word the word corrupt it doesn't mean anything because again everyone is corrupt but, but what they are trying to say is that it's not just that they are corrupt but they are also in my opinion anti hindu and i don't like them so i will use the term corrupt uh so that uh, under the umbrella of that big word which is the excuse for yadurappa by the way yeah shiv sena will get in and uh, um i i i i think maybe i'm too negative but i think shiv sena will lose their hindu credibility much before congress gains any hindu credibility <laughs> that's how it is uh, one last thing that i uh, kind of wanted to quickly touch on around this election who is the biggest congress leader in maharashtra today they have no face sadly so even till they had vilasrao deshmukh they at least had a face right now they have a lot of regional leaders uh, the fact that someone like prithviraj chavan actually held to his seat in itself is a big achievement for the congress 
so that says a lot guys like ashok chavan and prithviraj chavan are not sure of holding on to their own seats so beyond that they do not have a leader actually sadly it's hard to find a face which is why they had to piggyback on to sharad pawar to fight this election it was pawar's election more than anyone else manna padega lekin sharad pawar ko jo bhi bolo pawar actually fought the election and the congress was just like the just like shiv sena became the junior partner in the congress ncp alliance the ncp has become the senior partner now we and, and just to we've... add ncp has never had any Uh, any of these ideological dilemmas ever yeah, yeah i don't yeah. think i don't think they care about going with the shiv sena or even with the bjp if the time arise, need arises so that's sharad pawar and that that's indian politics for you i i mean anybody who tells me about this and again my memories are short and whatsapp was not here always but in 1989 to make sure that congress does not form government at the center BJP allied with the Communist Party of India Marxists to support Chandrasekhar and then VP Singh to to form governments at the center so please i mean please bharat and uh, and if you have time go back and listen to subramanian swami's interview from that era <laughs> exactly so i think uh, we should um, move on to our next segment jai hind jai maharashtra Moving on. Um, before we start this segment, I just wanted to read an excerpt from a letter that Hari Shankar Prasad wrote in 1977. Uh, the letter was titled "Ye Chitti Mahatma Mohan Das Karamchand Gandhi Ko Pohche." He writes, "Gotse ko Bhagat Singh ka darja dene ki koshish chal rahi hai. Gotse ne Hindu Rashtra ke virodhi Gandhi ko mara tha." गोडसे जब भगत सिंह की तरह राष्ट्रीय हीरो हो जाएगा तब 30 जनवरी का क्या होगा अभी तक ये गांधी निर्वाण दिवस है आगे गोडसे गौरव दिवस हो जाएगा इस दिन कोई राजघाट नहीं जाएगा फिर भी आपको याद जरूर किया जाएगा जब 30 जनवरी को गोडसे की जय जयकार होगी तब ये तो बताना ही पड़ेगा कि उसने कौन सा महान कर्म किया था बताया जाएगा कि उस दिन वीर ने गांधी को मार डाला था तो आप गोडसे के बहाने याद किए जाएंगे अभी तक गोडसे को आपके बहाने याद किया जाता था एक महाश महान पुरुष के हाथों मरने का कितना फायदा मिलेगा आपको लोग पूछेंगे ये गांधी कौन था जवाब मिलेगा वही जिसे गोडसे ने मारा आगे चलकर जनता पार्टी पूरी तरह जनसंघ हो जाएगी तब 30 जनवरी को ये महत्व होगा इस दिन परमवीर राष्ट्रभक्त गोडसे ने गांधी को मारा इस पुण्य के प्रताप से इसी दिन जनता पार्टी का जन्म हुआ जिसने हिंदू राष्ट्र की स्थापना की इधर आपको और तरह से अमर बनाने की कोशिश हो रही है पिछली दिवाली पर दिल्ली के जनसंघी शासन ने सस्ती मोमबत्ती सप्लाई कराई थी मोमबत्ती के पैकेट पर आपका फोटो था फोटो में आप आरएसएस के ध्वज को प्रणाम कर रहे हैं पीछे हेडगेवार खड़े हैं एक ही कमी रह गई है आगे पूरी हो जाएगी अगली बार आपको हाफ पैंट पहना दिया जाएगा और भगवा टोपी पहना दी जाएगी आप मजे में आर के स्वयं के रूप में अमर हो सकते हैं आगे वही अमर होगा जिसे जनसंघ करेगा बाकी भी ठीक चल रहा है आप जो लाठी छोड़ गए थे उसे चरण सिंह ने हत्या लिया है चौधरी साहब इस लाठी को लेकर जवाहरलाल नेहरू का पीछा कर रहे हैं जहां नेहरू को पा जाते हैं एक दो हाथ दे देते हैं जो भी नेहरू की नीतियों की वकालत करता है उसे चौधरी साहब आपकी लाठी से मार देते हैं तो महात्मा जी जो कुछ उम्मीद है बाला साहब देवरस से है वो जो करेंगे वही आपके लिए होगा वैसे काम चालू हो गया है आप बेफिक्र रहिए आपका यश किसी न किसी रूप में सुरक्षित रहेगा परसाई रचनावली चार राजकमल प्रकाशन 
a few names that people might have not recognized would i think would be hit gevar hit gevar was the first uh, sang sar sang chalak of rss we was the founder balasaab devras was the sar sang chalak of rss during the 70s um both of them proud marathi brahmins um and yeah i just wanted to read this because although this was written in 1977 i feel nothing has changed everything like is the same the novel coming yeah. through all the characters might have changed but everything is just the same um that, yeah. even if you look at how uh, the hindu mahasabha back in the day uh, during the first elections campaigned against nehru even that hasn't changed today it's just that nehru is no longer alive the campaign still are the same so which brings us to our current segment and our current segment is actually um, veer mahatma godse amar rahe and nehru hi hi so over the last week uh, we had two great days or one great and one not so great obviously the great day was godse. the the martyrdom of um, veer nathuram godse i'm just making veer just by myself i, I know veer is for savarkar but i don't really know what to All good, sir. Just to be safe. Yeah, Bharat Mata ki jai. Also, um, Nehru's birthday was on November fourteenth. Sad day for India, I guess. So before, um, I mean, to start, when I say Nehru, what it means to you? It means that India, to begin with, at that point, for all the mistakes that he committed, stood for the right things. when we were born as a nation post independence uh, that is the first thing that comes to mind and for someone who had the benefit of having done science in india all these years i come from an institution which is which has nehruvian legacies so yeah so in some way uh, my life has directly been impacted by the decisions that were taken uh, in the budding phase of uh, republic of india some sense definitely uh you've read I, discovery I, of india yeah i have read it yeah you were saying something sorry yeah so just to add to the science part so something which completely like if you look at a lot of people who wrote about india in the early 1950s and so on you had uh, this guy jbs haldane who moved to india right yeah. he was an evolutionary biologist and uh, a guy who gave Uh, biology molecular and cell biology a lot of its founding ideas you had a person like that moving to india because he felt at that time it was symbolic of all that is liberal and chaotic about the world and and the freedom of thought he, he held india in that level so if, if you had a country at that point which was at least seen by people from outside people of that pedigree uh, through those lenses Uh, I think that tells you something about the leadership at that time. So, it does. So you you read Discovery of India, right? Yeah. Now tell me, is Discovery of India better or is Exam Warriors better? See, Exam Warriors is easier to read, so definitely that is better. क्या फायदा है ऐसे बुक का जो पढ़ने में बहुत टाइम लगता है? जो ट्वीट ना कर सकें, जो ट्वीट ना कर पाओ तो. Um, Nehru said. Uh, in discovery of india that um, not in exam warriors yeah it is Just science alone 
It is science alone that can solve the problems of hunger and poverty, of insanitation and illiteracy, of superstition and deadening custom and tradition, of vast resources running to waste, or a rich country inhabited by starving people who indeed could afford to ignore science. To, who indeed could afford to ignore science today? At every turn, we have to seek its aid. The future belongs to science and those who make friends with science. Or फिर किसी ने कहा कि climate change नहीं है लोगों को ठंड लग रही है. So much so that हमारे constitution में scientific tolerance के लिए we have mention of that in our constitution. Nehru is everything that India is not. So I agree with um, a lot of what BJP says. Nehru is this guy. who was western educated uh, lived in england school and university um fabian socialist and who was not really religious and it was not a not in vogue um, to proclaim out uh, aloud in public but i very much think that he was an atheist he anyway, was an atheist yeah and quite uh, obviously so yeah i mean he if you read discovery of india you you'll realize that having said that uh, and so he was influenced by western um, liberal democracy and he wanted to make india like one of them and um, the constitution which was created by all these people including dr ambedkar who were again primarily western educated i feel does not reflect the country as it was or as it is today even not to not to say that the constitution is not the book that we should follow but i just think that we we are not yet there to actually live by what that book says um in in that regard i think the writer of exam warrior is much more of what india is he grew from the bottom of the indian so he has a rooted chain. understanding his people and, and 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 with all his um, misplaced anger on the latians and all his bigotry and everything that he megalomania and do to the, that show of nature it is all it is all actually indian on the opposite yeah. on the contrary nehru and everything that he did was so was very alien to the common indian um india it was more of it was more of an aspirational idea in their head rather than what it actually was representing so they didn't really represent their voices but they were more aspirational in how they saw their country going ahead so yeah difference I mean, uh, whereas whereas Papa Ji is more representative and less aspirational in that sense. Papa Ji is is more he so he's aspirational in uh, in his way, where he yeah like he reflects are are the people that we know much more than Nehru could. Like I don't think that people would sit for a Nehru speech. Um, hmm. unless they are forced to i mean and when i say people i mean in general but mm-hmm. when modi speaks it's like an uncle at the banghi tapri is talking or ek shaadi mein aaya hua fufa ji fufa ji bas which is interesting which is funny like uh, nehru is basically um, 
satyajit ray and modi's rohit shetty that's anyway and it and it has nothing to do with the language this bhasha yeah exactly exactly speech wala thing has nothing to do with the language in which they speak it has more to do with what resonates more with the people he nehru is deeply introspective he's deeply he's examining his life his choices the country that he is in um at every moment and that is why sometimes you also feel that he's uh, he's slow in taking decisions uh, because he thinks and he thinks too much and um and, i mean there's nothing like thinking too much but like he is very aware of impl- implications of anything that he does of especially for this very very young country in 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 a lot of ways he reminds me a bit um, of um, obama because for all of obama's sins he was a black man as the president of america he knew that whatever he does reflects on the black stereotypes and he has to be extremely careful and therefore he he came across as much more pliable and much more agreeable or trying to agree to the republican um demands and um and 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 for for which some some on the left admonish him but i just kind of understand where this guy comes from and and similarly for nehru uh, uh, at some point i don't know at some level i feel nehru as uh, papa ji aspires to be nehru deep within his heart in terms of his acceptance in some level like acceptance in the sense like this posturing of himself as deshke papa and kaka like also that video going around going around the world with big crowds following him and so on somewhere if there is a legacy which he wants to erase it is nehru's legacy so uh, um i agree so i don't like i know you are you are into bollywood as much as i am so you know sanjay gupta right the guy who yes. makes movies right so he makes yes, movies yes. like he made um, he made Can't a remake of Re- yeah reservoir dogs and he has made other such movies of remakes of hollywood movies so he his remakes of hollywood movies are basically completely lifted from whatever hollywood movie he is remaking and and because it's completely lifted there is like the context is always lacking the 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 characters and what motivates them is very difficult to understand and and modi is nehru in that regards in the sense that jab hum he he looks at nehru and he looks at nehru's life and he looks at how nehru was revered and he wants to be that guy but what he fails to see is the foundational aspect that made nehru nehru i Uh, i i I've, i've read gujarat files and i know that modi also wants to be obama so he keeps obama's books in his living room especially if someone he thinks is important is coming to meet him the books will be like in a place where like almost like trump actually in a place where people can see that there are these books i doubt that he has read even one of them but he, it is important for him that people think that he has read them and that is exactly what is his desire to be like nehru is he and his attempt at writing a book i think the exam warriors thing is also it stems from the fact that he wants to emulate nehru and somehow huh. yeah yeah somehow. and maybe maybe he will come up with more more of such books in the future but um, just that... for the 
just at least so that whatsapp can say that uh, papa ji ne 10 book likh diya something like that so yeah, that so for, so again i go back to this that india became india in 1947 and there was another country that became a country pakistan in 1947 which was in which was from the beginning islamic republic of pakistan in fact the whole uh, motivation of pakistan becoming pakistan was primarily rooted in the idea that there has in india is has two countries in it and the other country that is pakistan or the muslims need a separate homeland for themselves and at that juncture there were many forces and i'm not just talking about the rss because rss was not as powerful back then but there were many forces within congress who wanted india to emulate pakistan in becoming a hindu rashtra um from govind ballabh pant to to even patel to an extent all of these people uh, would not have had any problems had india at least maybe not in name but in practice emulated a hindu nation it was nehru and then the drafters of constitution like dr ambedkar who ensured who themselves that, who who themselves were not always on the same page i believe yeah when it came to their ideas so and even gandhi i because gandhi was very powerful at that moment and and if he wanted he could have basically said because he was religious and he believed in like he was a proper dada ji right hmm. uh and yet india became this country this secular country there was no need but that is what that is why this country is great for me that is why whatever pride it i used to feel for this country i whatever remnants of pride that i still have for this country is because because at a, at a time when it it was the easiest to take a decision of going the route of a hindu rashtra we didn't decide to go that way exactly because exactly if, if at all there was a time when It, there was any justification for going down that route it was then and even then that country resisted the temptation of going down that route which would have ensured perpetual power for these guys right first you had yeah the sentiment that they fought against the british second they if they pandered to the masses and the majority that would have ensured that would have been the most prudent political decision to take at that time and, 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 and i still say that and, and that nehru was not a great or a, a good politician when i say a good politician i'm talking of the politicians in mold of someone like pawar or amit shah where mm. nehru did not think of what makes sense politically he 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 relied on two things one he was he was very idealistic and maybe partly the reason for um, a lot of his mistakes were because he was very idealistic for example china uh, and he also wanted to make sure that india is a democracy where there is no majoritarianism so and therefore he gave away some things like uh, the state's rights on cow slaughter directive principle right mm-hmm. which people some people criticize him for keep if he were such a paragon of secularism why is this in our constitution and um, honestly i don't have an answer for it but i just think that as a democrat you have to Somehow give in to yeah, to where the middle ground yeah. argument yeah. but that idealism that he brought to mm-hmm. 
India at the, during the birth of this nation is not the idealism that we as people have or have inherited. And that is why it was so easy to dismantle it with Ayodhya. Um, and uh, there is no political entity in India today uh, that proves Chinna right on every moment than BJP. Um, Jinnah said that India has in it two countries, a, countries of Hin- a country of Hindus and a country of Muslims. And um, there were Muslims who stayed behind and never moved to Pakistan. And uh, every time BJP does anything, it is like looking in their face and proving that Jinnah was right. Um, and and over, over the years, we have seen that uh, the right wing is less critical of Jinnah than it is of Nehru. Yeah. You would you would see that through the through most of their speeches. I, I think there was even a BJP MP or an MLA who Advani campaigned books said man. Advani has written books about him and you had some BJP MP last year saying that Jinnah was right and Jinnah had Nehru given made way for power to and agreed with Jinnah and we would have been a much better country or something like that. So it tells you as to why he is such a pantomime villain now in India. Because all that Nehru, by Nehru I mean all the founding fathers at that time stood for is something which these people cannot stand as an idea. And I and when, when you said about pliability at that point, don't you think like, I think there is a quote which is attributed to Rus- Bertrand Russell and I'm not sure if it is he who said that so if it was someone else please clarify it goes something to the effect of saying that the fundamental cause of trouble in this modern world is that the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of doubt so i i don't know if this was at i think it is attributed to russell but i'm not sure so we were talking about the dunning kruger effect uh, recently and yeah, that that is evident. Or like maybe because maybe we we because we have a podcast because we think we're so sure. But anyway, people are listening. We are talking. So maybe we are stupid. So it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Just laugh at us. It's okay. Mata ki jai. So the the most most famous speech that Nehru gave mm-hmm. was the tryst with. Which Tawlin Singh doesn't like that, by the way. Tawlin Singh says that uh, Nehru refers to it as the stroke of midnight hour. Lekin har jagah to midnight nahi tha na us time pe. So she doesn't agree with it. She has actually said this on record. Where did midnight nahi tha? Jahan pe bhi. She is like, how, how did he assume that midnight are? Or world ka reference karte hoek tha, how can he say midnight? Pure world ka ek midnight to nahi hota hai. Something like that. Like, but that speech, there's, there's a thing that I find very interesting in that speech. Going back to the dilemma uh, or the doubting thing. Huh? Mm. So this is a moment. This guy as we say in millennial lingo, mm. owns all the thunder. He can be as bombastic mm. as he wishes to be. And he can, like, like Modi ji to GST mein midnight karne lage thin. Yaha pe to matab India, India ban raha and this guy is standing there. And he gives this speech, great speech. There's this line in this speech that I just wanted to read out aloud, which tells you... Not wholly or substantially are you referring to that part? That is also that, uh, that is also there. But this, the, in the middle, he says the ambition mm. of the greatest man of our generation has been to wipe every tear from every mm. eye. He's talking about Mahatma Gandhi. The ambition of the greatest man of our generation has been to wipe every tear from every eye. That may be beyond us. 
but as long as there are tears and suffering so long our work will not be over so this guy he he could say that so to wipe every tear from every eye and we let us make a pledge today that hmm. we will do it but he does not say that he says that may be beyond us but we will try and that encapsulates nehru for me and that is why he is one of my personal heroes as unpopular as it may sound yeah i mean i know i mean like you're pilloried by uh, uh, you're pilloried by uh, both mm-hmm. the right obviously yes. but also the left anyway. and 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 as i said from on my personal level i think uh, i have a lot to thank for the nehruvian legacy of india for where i am today at some level it is the decisions that were taken at that point some level people like me could pursue education to this level without having to sell their kidneys basically so and look at the decisions that and the institutions that took shape at that part uh, that phase in indian history now the iits were a priority there was i think freedom given to people and the kind of people that, uh, who were hired that time so you had the indian statistical institute as i said haldane and guys like mahalanobis the yeah one of the greatest thinkers in modern india in some sense and then you had the election yeah. commissions taking shape all these institutions which ironically played a role in offering a balance to the power of the government of the day and you had the guys who had power of shaping these institutions who actually design checks and balances to their own power so that tells you very easily all of them could have gone towards the direction of autocracy right it would have been so easily justified at that point look at india now i mean the institutions are so pliable to the current dispensation imagine if no at a I point mean, when the institutions didn't exist the, in the first place it, to create to create those, those yeah. institutions to imagine to create so yeah. that is the legacy for me i i personally like and soon i mean we are almost done with our, this segment as well and soon we will move to um, recommendations and i have a million recommendations um but if anyone who's listening to this has not read discovery of india please please find a copy and read i think every indian should read that book my recommendation was also discovery of india for today but now that you already said that discovery of india is standing uh, recommendation actually but it was both unpopular book hai na subramanian swami ke hisab se it is the most ill informed book of history subramanian swami ke hisab se agar wo most ill informed hai to fir matlab padhna hi chahiye aapko you should read it koi uh, uh, any other recommendation that you might have so around... this is nothing to do with politics this is a much older book richard dawkins ka mm-hmm. the ancestors the ancestors tale oh my god it's a really fun read uh, so go ahead and read that it's about what links you to the rest of this world in this age where you actually are bickering about you the specifics of your identity uh, this book's actually takes you on a pilgrimage to the past and it refers to each species as a pilgrim and on this journey at different mm-hmm. time uh, different points in this entire timeline different species join you to that pilgrimage and i think that's a good read so go ahead and it's 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 in, in some way disarms this entire narrative of segregation at some point and there is no powerful uh, not a more powerful thought than actually coming to terms with the fact that not just the other human being next to you but even the lowly cockroach that is walking around you is also 
uh, something that you are related to that's a great book i haven't read that i have read some of his other works and um, i he has been one of the the prominent figures who who've made me think certain things that i thought would be on the realms of even my thinking um i would like to recommend ba- another book based off on our first segment and it is curfewed night by basharat peer i just want um for people to read it and to kind of take a stock of how we have treated a segment of our population and for our last segment um and i think this book is not really available readily available in india but uh try and get a hand on an indian summer by alex von tunzelman this is a book that the congress tried to ban because they thought that it wrote about nehru in ways that uh, were not pleasing and to me uh, reading this book made me fall in love with nehru even more um, so make of it what you will and uh, with that i think we should um, close our podcast today bharat mata ki jai bharat mata ki jai